Matthew 9, we're going to take and go through about, about six to seven scenes. So I want you to go ahead and uh, take a look. at. We're going to start with Matthew 9, 20 to 22. Now behold, a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I shall get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, daughter, take courage, your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. Her faith was expressed through her believing actions that Jesus could make the difference. Let me repeat that. Her faith was expressed through her believing actions, that Jesus could make a difference. She had lived a wretched existence, and we could go into that, and it's described in Mark 5, but essentially she had gone to, she'd had this issue for 12 years, she'd gone to doctors, she'd used all her money, and nothing helped. She was actually worse than when she started. But she was now convinced and believed even just touching his garment, the very fringe, would be enough to make the difference. And I could walk you through where she probably heard about it back in Luke, but that's not for today. What, what my question would be is, what sort of faith is this that she was so convinced? What this is, and if you want to write this down, it's living hope that has become believing faith. Living hope that has become believing faith. What about each of us personally? Do we reach out to Jesus in all circumstances in our lives? Our faith is witnessed by all eternity. We give evidence of our faith through our every action, every day. And our actions speak truth and speak louder than any words that we may ever say. Hear what I just said. We may say we walk in faith, but the devil and the angels are all watching to see if we're truly going to walk out our Lord Jesus Christ and his truth in everything we do when no one's looking. Do we live for the Lord 100% of the time or do we live for the Lord when it's convenient? This is what happened. She was convinced. She knew that just touching his garment would be enough and that was her powerful living hope that she hoped that it would work and she activated her faith by moving forward. Amen? Mark 4.9 Hang on. I'm going to before I get dry. Jesus arose and rebuked the wind. He was in the boat and the storm was starting to sink the boat. I want you to hear this really close, what takes place. This is out of the King James Version. Mark 4.39 Jesus arose, rebuked the wind, 
and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He rebuked the wind. Stop it. doesn't say that, but that would be rebuking it. Stop it. You could see him putting his hand up. And then he said to the sea, Peace, be still. What does this mean to us in relation to living hope and in relation to an active faith? Jesus' response to the storm was just simple. Peace, be still. Turn to somebody next to you and point at them and say, peace, be still. You know, natural storms can appear to be overwhelming causing fear to rise up as it is approaching us. With little warning, it can be like a tornado. Think back in the 1800s when a tornado would suddenly be bearing down on you and you don't even know where it came from. Or you're living in a coastal area like Galveston, Texas, and the, and the sea is starting to act funny and you see that it's starting to kind of draw out in a, in a manner and everybody's going, wow, this is really weird. And, and so in early September, in, in about a, over 100 years ago, monster category four hurricane came rolling in across Galveston and killed thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who were totally naive, oblivious, and unprepared. Storms like that bring confusion, fear, and even destruction. But let's expand this just a touch. There are other types of storms that regardless of where you live can take place in your life and they can invade and affect your lives at any time. Storms that show up from family, from friends, or such things as as a sudden change in health, in your money situation, your work situation, family situations with kids and everything. And when they do, we are in the middle of a storm. And when they do, when we are in the middle of that storm, what is our response? You heard Debbie testify just a bit ago about her her son-in-law and her daughter and what their response has been so far. I have a lot of people praying for them. But I'm going to ask this, because the entire Christian realm, all of the people in the in the Christianity do not always respond like, like Emily and Todd. They become overwhelmed. They become desperate, falling into fear and anger and and even depression, feeling like hope is slipping away and will soon be gone. My question is, why didn't they turn to Jesus and cry out to him and give him their fears and their troubles? For when we do, Suddenly, he speaks, calms a storm in our life with just a word. Suddenly, he speaks, answering the prayers, the cries of our heart when we turn to him, saying, peace, be still. And when he does, suddenly that storm that we thought was so overwhelming in our life He opens up the solutions 
problems are gone and the problems are healed. Amen. I don't know anybody that doesn't have storms in their life. It's our response to those storms that makes all the difference. Just as he spoke, peace be with you. See here, see what I'll take. I'll walk you through this real quick. The the night of the resurrection, Jesus shows up amongst his future apostles. They're all hiding. They're in total fear for the Jews who they think are going to come and persecute them and maybe even kill them. And Jesus steps in, and the first thing he says to them is, he says, peace be unto you. And then he speaks to them a little more. They still haven't settled down. He's not telling them to go and do things. He's not commanding them anything. He's addressing the issues that are immediate that need to be addressed. And he repeats what he said. He said, peace be unto you. And finally, that spirit of fear, that spirit of of absolute unholy fear is gone. And the peace that Jesus promises in Isaiah 53, 5 now floods their soul because he paid the price for it. It's always available. If your heart, your mind, your soul, your emotions and everything about you is full of anxiety, worldly fears and everything else, it's because you haven't grabbed hold of that promise that Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Amen. He spoke to the apostles, entered into their midst where they were hiding in fear shortly after his resurrection. So, too, with each one of us in Jesus, our confidence arises and increases as his peace floods our soul. And the storm, which was a fearful terror, quickly becomes a thing of nothing that just is somewhere back in our memory that we no longer even consider. Amen? An event that happened but isn't much of anything. Psalm 139.9. Yeah, I was just laughing because... I was just thanking the Lord just now. Lord, I've been praying all week that I'd be able to speak and do communion. And I didn't even know until, that's why I was running late. I wasn't even sure at 9.30 this morning. And, you know, he just said, trust me. So, Psalm 139.9. This is an extraordinary, powerful picture of grace. If I take the wings of the morning, this again is out of the King James. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand hold me up. So many have said over the years, and if I, if I touch a very raw nerve with you, I don't apologize. I intend to. So many have said over the years with a comment, I feel so alone. You know, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for that. I'm sorry you feel alone. 
You know, the Bedouins in the Arabian desert and, and old trappers, a lot of them who were, who were living in isolated cabins over the course of a winter and things like that, would fall into a place where they would begin to feel alone. Bedouins in the desert, traveling by themselves across great expanses, used to being by themselves. But that expression that I just, just gave you is not a physical expression. That is a spiritual expression. And what they're expressing is the demons of hell are trying to unload upon them. I feel so alone. And what they would do is even, even those folks in the desert or even trappers would literally commit suicide because they would begin to fall into fear. When they fall into fear, they'd begin to fall into panic because they felt like there was no one there for them. That is a spiritual stair step going downhill pretty rapidly. Let me tell you what I feel. Fear and anxiety and even panic will try to roll over us. Spiritual stuff. I'm going to give you a picture from a long time ago. It's like sharing a cave with a bear and he's decided he wants to turn over and he tries to roll over on you. That's what it's like with a spirit of aloneness that is saying, oh, you're so alone. And that big cave bear begins to roll. He's hibernating, but he begins to roll over on you until he begins to crush you. And that's what he does. And so it is when we fall into Satan's trap and begin to express Hear what I just said. We begin to express, oh, I am so alone. But are we really alone? For wherever we are, God is there also. There is no place that I can go where God isn't already there. We are never really alone. In fact, when you take your shower in the morning, you're not alone at all. Uh, yeah, I had teenage girls in Sunday school class go, ooh, I says, yeah, angels, demons, everybody's watching, you know. God is always there with us, anywhere, anytime. Hebrews 13, 5. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is always there for us. God is always there for us. Before I continue on, how far is God from me right now? No further than an arm length. No, no further than an arm length. What does that mean? An arm length is like he's already put his hand on my shoulder. He's just waiting for me to express I need him. He's not going to crowd me because when I express that I need him, he begins to testify, see, they love me and they need me. And he proclaims that all over heaven. So when we begin to say, Lord, this is pretty scary where I'm at. Notice I didn't give the devil any room to enter in. This is pretty scary where I'm at, but I know that I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death if you are with me that I could even live alone if I have to for an extended period of time because you would be there with me. 
your angels would be assigned to me, and I would be secure. Amen? Beware of falling into that trap. Amen? Lamentations 3.55, Jeremiah is calling out. Jeremiah is a real person. Lamentations is a real book. And, and he was a prophet of prophets as far as the Jews were concerned. But he expresses things the way they are. He is in a terrible place. And he says, I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. Verse 56, you heard my voice. You heard my cry for help. You said, do not fear. You have redeemed my life. Amen? Do not think that if you're suffering a lot of stuff that it's unique to you. Everyone in the Christian realm from top to bottom has suffered the same things. When Jesus was on the cross, we all think of all the physical stuff, but he took on more intense persecution from the tormentors in spirit than you will ever begin to imagine. And he did it for you and I. Amen? In the uttermost parts of the earth, God is there. In the deepest depths of our personal despair, God is always with us. Reach out your hand and just say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Don't bump your wife when you're next next to you, okay? Or your friends or whatever. Luke 15, 24. This is the New King James Version. For this my son was dead. This is the father of the prodigal expressing some words. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. An expression of God's joy and heaven's merriment and celebration over the prodigal's return and the prodigal's repentance. You know, how does this relate to us with that living hope and faith? So it is with each one of us that our actions give God reason for joy and, and heaven an excuse to celebrate. Hear what I just said that it is a a picture that our actions and what choices we make and what we do at every moment in our day can be the reason for joy for God and celebration for all of heaven. Amen? Somebody's going to celebrate whatever we do. Whatever choice we make, either heaven's going to celebrate and God is going to be full of joy or Satan is going to be dancing an evil dance, and his demons are going to be rejoicing. We make the difference. So, I'll expand on that. Our actions, you might ask, okay, what's that mean? Well, when our hope becomes living hope, that is, we move from just hope into living hope that cannot be denied, it will open a door to faith. And our our faith will then become activated and energized as our Lord Holy Spirit leads us. And and that becomes another reason for celebration. What evidence do we see 
in ourselves for this, when we choose to believe, despite the circumstances around us, in God's view, we come alive again, like a prodigal. When we express faith and do not doubt, hear what I just said. A lot of people have qualified faith, qualified hope. Well, I'm hoping that'll work out, but, you know, I know that it may or may not. You know, I'm hoping that this, this will take place, but I, I've already got some alternate, alternate places to go just in case. Caesar had a, Julius Caesar had a solution for that when he invaded Britain a long time ago. Uh, he, was, he, he helped found Londinium, now known as London and other places like that. But he showed up on the shores of Britain in big old boats and everything else, and uh, the troops all, all unloaded into Britain, and they were getting ready to fight. And he already knew that the, the Britons had quite a reputation for, for uh, ferocity. In other words, they weren't very nice people, even when they fought. And uh, so he said, good. He says, captains, burn your ships. He says, we'll give the troops some incentive. And they did. And Britain came under the lordship of Rome for over 500 years because those troops had an incentive to succeed. When we express faith and we burn the ship of doubt, we have incentive to remain steadfast in our faith. Amen? And in God's view, we come alive again. When we resist temptation and send the devil fleeing, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, in God's view, we come alive again. When we humble ourselves as the prodigal did and admit our shortcomings and repent before the Lord, in God's view, we have come alive again. And God then, to all heaven and all the angels around his throne, begins to complain this one is alive again and has been found. Amen. Think about that. Your actions are proclaimed across the heavenlies. The decisions that you make and the things that you do. And God and all heaven rejoice in merriment over us for what we have chosen to do. Amen. Ha. You can just say real quietly to yourself, well, if I have any decisions to make spiritually today, I'm going to create a party in heaven. I'll make the right decision. Psalm 91, 11. <clears throat> Holy smokes. I'm gabfesting. <clears throat> 11 and 12 and he will in this out of the New American Standard he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways they will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone angels <coughs> The angel Gabriel spoke and ministered to Daniel. We also find the angel Gabriel again 
uh, announcing what was to come to Mary, the mother of Jesus. We find angels ministering to Jesus in his weariness uh, from praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's angels that, uh, that we find um, that, that came up to Peter as he is locked in chains and they struck Peter's side as he was sleeping between two soldiers bound in chains and woke him up and said, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands and the angel led him out to freedom. Angels, some of you have helped strangers and thereby ministered to angels even without really realizing that you had done so. Amen. Our God is a God of angel armies. Ones who stand ready to respond at his beck and call, fulfilling his commands without question. Jesus knew this when he subtly spoke to his disciples just before the crucifixion that he could call more than 12 legions of angels. 12 legions is a lot of angels. The, the entire Roman army only had about 28 legions. That meant that Jesus could immediately, just like that, call up an army half of angels, half the size of the entire Roman world's army. Just that quick. I 12, angels, 12 legions just standing by. That's around sixty to 70,000 angels. Are those available for you? Oh, yeah. I can remember, so I won't go into all the details, but I can remember Nancy's grandma Marie telling her, because Nancy was just in distress over a situation. And I'm going to pretend I'm grandma, because she says, oh, Nancy, dear. She says, ah. We'll just call God and, and just have him go ahead and just send us a whole legion of angels around this house. She says, you'll be just fine. Don't even worry about it. She says, not a problem. So she walks off. Nancy goes, okay, that's it. And about 20 minutes later, Nancy had phenomenal hearing. I don't know if any of you knew that. She could hear a moose 100 yards away walking through the grass. She was just that... Her, the acuity of her hearing was just beyond question. And she says, Grandma, she says, what is that high-pitched hum? Oh, she says, that? Oh, don't worry about it. She says, you know what it is? She says, yeah. She says, that's the angels. Their, their wings are going like this because they're on standby. And Nancy went, Really? <laughs> And she says, yeah, she says, it's not a big deal, Nancy. They're, they're doing what God told them to do. And as God is my witness, the, that gathering that we had that day with family was the most peaceful gathering we ever had. The one who was going to be the tormentor and cause all the problems, as she had always done before, came up to the door, went, oh, I can't, I don't want to knock on that door. What's the matter? I'll, I'll try ringing the bell. We heard about this later, because she told my brother-in-law, she says, oh. And so she says, I don't think I want to be here. And so she left. We never even knew, there were no cell phones in, so we never even knew that she'd been at the door. She left and was never in another family gathering. I'm sure the angels were there going, you shouldn't be here. Now imagine a, an eight-foot angel speaking to this little girl, you know, little gal about five foot, going, I don't, I don't think you should be here. 
angels, guardian servants of God Most High, angels directed by God to help those who are His along the way of life. God never, ever leaves us without help. You have guardian angels watching over you, even in this congregation. When you showed up here today, if you arrived safely, they were with you. If you've ever driven down the highway and, and, and wondered why you never saw any moose, that's because they're back there going, hey, moose, you can't be crossing the road right now. They protect us more than we know. I don't worship angels, but I acknowledge that God really takes care of us. And he will give his angels charge, and he does give his angels charge concerning us. Amen? Amen. Psalm 118, 24. <clears throat> we'll, we'll be done by noon. <laughs> and I, will, I should, Lord willing, make it in time. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. When we come to realize such a thing, that regardless of the circumstances, it's not just a careless day. It's not just a happen chance day. The day that you are in, when you say this is the day the Lord has made, it is a day that has been ordained with purpose. God has made the day. Suddenly, with such a revelation, everything changes as we realize God made this day. I don't care what your events are in your day, but God made the day. So let's try this again. Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I shall let us rejoice and be glad in it. Some would say, well, you don't know what kind of days I have. Well, I would answer very truthfully, no, I don't. But then I would also tell you very truthfully, very few people know what kind of days I live. Only a very, very, very selected few. So I can't really judge myself by others. What I need to realize is God made this day. And this is what I would say personally to anyone and everyone that would be hearing. I will say that each day I take my stand in hope and choose to walk by faith. And I ask my Lord God in Jesus' name to open my eyes that I may see the day he has made. Let me repeat that. I take my stand in hope and I walk out my day by faith and before the day even begins, I ask the Lord God in Jesus' name to open my eyes to see the day he has made that I am about to pass through. Amen? One thing I do know with absolute certainty, whatever the day may be, I can choose to rejoice and be glad in the day because God has provided it for me. Not being, I'm not being naive to the events of the, what can go on, but with complete belief and understanding that God is always in control. 
and that I can lean on him and not on my own judgment and understanding, that I can trust him, acknowledge him, that he will guide my steps through the day that he has made, and through this day that God has made, I will continue to rejoice and in everything give him thanks always. Amen? When you complain about the day, you are already doing anti-worship. God made the day. So you're criticizing God, you're criticizing his creation, and you're criticizing what's going on. Better is to say, Lord, I'm in total chaos and confusion this day. You know where I'm at. Lord, open my eyes that I may see the pathway that you have for me, that I may walk in your light, that you will light my steps so that I may plant my feet exactly where they need to be. That when things come up and begin to harass me and begin to torment me and begin to cause all kinds of issues, that you would pass me through with your rod and your staff protecting me in everything I do. Amen? Turn around to somebody and say, whoa, I can make it through this day. So the last passage that I would read, there's going to be a couple of passages. I'll I'll reference some. But uh, the main one is, is but as for me, this is Psalm 52.8, but as for me, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever and ever. Amen? Okay, here's my imitation. I'm pretending to be a green olive tree. (laughs) Did I fool anybody? No. (laughs) I'll start laughing and I'll start coughing. I can't do that. Uh, So I'm going to give you some things to proclaim and then I'm going to get a little bit personal and describe some things and ways to think. We can readily... Boy, my tongue did not work. It must be these cough drops I'm sucking on. We can readily proclaim before all all of eternity these things. Lord God, you are my hiding place out of Psalm 32. You are my hedge of protection. You'll find that in Job 1. I'm not going to list everything that that you could proclaim. This is going to be some highlights. Your faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark out of Psalm 91. Out of Deuteronomy 7, you are faithful, keeping your covenant and steadfast love for those who love you and who would choose to hold to your commandments. But I would take this deeper. I would declare, if you've got living hope and you've got activated faith, that you would begin to proclaim, my Lord, my God, you are my redeemer. You are my deliverer. My peace, and such peace that, that only those who know you can comprehend. My Lord, my God, I would declare that you are with me. I'm going to give you two ways of looking at some things. This would be through your day. But this would not necessarily be through your day. This would be through your life also. Night descends. Everyone will go through the darkness. 
We read that at Jeremiah being drawn out of the pit. Night descends. The darkness comes. Yet I am secure in you. For you are in the deepest areas of my heart. You are welcome within me. For I have given all of who I am to you. Holding nothing back. My hope has become a living hope. As our Lord Holy Spirit illuminates revelation upon revelation and truth upon truth in your word. Your your written words have become like a voice speaking through me, speaking to me throughout the day. And they always align with the comfort of your voice that I hear as you encourage me at every moment at just the right time. Never ever failing me, And always encouraging me and lifting me up. The day returns. And your light covers me and fills me. I will awaken the dawn in worship and praise you. As you illuminate my life. For in your light I see light. Your presence brings hope. An increasing and profound hope. A growing, never-ending flow of living hope that fills me and spills forth from me to others that I come in contact with. And I come fully alive once again. And I know you are with me always as I am walking in faith through this world as I begin a new day in you, my Lord and my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Dave, why don't you have a prayer for us?